Soil Sisters, Botanical Brothers, and Planty Peeps. This is your girl, Cola B. Talkin, hostess with the mostest of Black in the Garden podcast. So happy that you are joining me here today on this beautiful, wonderful February 2020 Black History Month observation. Yet another one. We're going to come back with episode two, part two of the conversation with Mother's Finest Urban Farms just today in light of some recent events that were a bit controversial decided to switch things up a bit and have a conversation with Brian aka Brother Earth we got right into it so we're going to get right to it and I hope that you enjoy this episode and episode two aka part two of the conversation that we started last week definitely on the way that should be dropping in about 48 72 hours it's coming this week the bonus episode the part two you know i'm not gonna leave you hanging like that you know i wouldn't do you like that so we're gonna get back to that one we're gonna continue to celebrate black history month february 2020 and we are going to i'm just very excited to be able to celebrate the plants and talk about biodiversity and talk with Brother Earth. It's going to be dope. Thank you so much for lending me your ears. And let's get into this episode. Hello. Hey, hey, hey. It is Brother Earth. Hello, I darling. Brother Earth. And Brian, guess what? Yes. We black. In the garden, hey! And I, <laughs> I'm solo talking, and we are just doing this. We're doing the the format a little bit different this time because I was just like, what would happen if I brought my guest in straight off the bat? So Ryan is here with us, and um, he's my goodness, brother Earth, botanist, lover of plants, heat walls all the the just the flights that first let me know that you was definitely that dude so <laughs> thank you thank you yes i am very excited to have you on the podcast and um you have a blog just oh my goodness where do we even begin <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and to be brother earth sure so um i think that my intro to houseplants pretty much um, started where I was born. So um, I was born in Puerto Rico. Um, I grew up very close to obviously nature and, you know, gardening. Um, it's not something that is extremely uncommon where I'm from. So like, it's a very tropical place. We grow plants of all kinds, plants that would be very familiar um, to some of the people, you know, in the United States that they buy as like ornaments, you know, people buy it to decorate their homes, whatever it is. Um, yeah. Obviously us, we collect plants. So <laughs> we have yeah. obviously a million and one of them. So uh, there's not a guarantee that at least, you know, maybe 70% of them um, actually grow in the wild where I'm from. So my grandma was somebody who, oh my God, she was the kind of girl you had to see her house because her house was covered in plants. It was covered in everything. She had a giant mango tree that was bigger than her own house. So um, it was something that, that you kind of grow up in, you know, you kind of, uh, it was very immerse- immersive to me. So when I came to the U.S., it was kind of something that, like, because we aren't used to the winter and we aren't used to, like, not having plants around, it was kind of weird. So I started gardening indoors. Um, I got into houseplants. Um, and that's from there. I think that having over 50 plus plants, that's kind of where we are right now. <laughs> All right. Now, only 50? Because I've seen photos of your your domain and it looked like it's like. There, Way more. Honestly, there might be more. I, I may have lost count. So <laughs> it's safe to say that you lost count. And you said Puerto Rico. I, I'm just making sure that you specifically said that you came from Puerto Rico, right? Yes, yes, ma'am. Over from Puerto Rico to uh, New Jersey, and mm-hmm. that's that's quite a culture shock going from that tropical climate to brick city. Girl, it was literally something that was insane because I got on a plane with a tank top and some shorts and I got out in the middle of a blizzard and I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> it was definitely it was definitely something I was not prepared for literally in the slightest. Um, 
it was definitely a culture shock. Um, we're used to a very natural, um, breathable, spacious environment. So for me to come into a place that was so heavy with concrete and heavy with buildings and, you know, you couldn't even, see, you know, when you're driving on a highway in Puerto Rico, you look out the window, you see mountains, you see forests, you see wildlife, you know, here, I was like, um, <laughs> where are the lizards? Like, where are the wild animals? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what's going on? Um, yeah. But, you know, it was something obviously that you kind of get used to, you work around, um, life doesn't stop for you. So you kind of just have to keep going, get used to it, you know, get get into it. So that's kind of where, you know, this whole thing started for me. What a shock, though. I, I literally could see the image of you in this tank top. I feel like it was lime green in my mind. It, and it, <laughs> some jean shorts, you know, some cut off shorts or whatever. Yeah. And you hop with flip flops on in a blizzard. Yo, that is insane. Yep. I, I got off the plane to meet my uh, to, to meet my mother, who was waiting for me at the airport at the time. And. Um, I got outside and literally it was snowing and I'm like, what the frick? <laughs> <laughs> which airport was it? Uh, this was the Newark Liberty Airport, um, okay. which is actually not not too far from my home. So, um, yeah, that that place. Oh, my gosh. That, that was obviously very insane for me. Yeah, and indeed it was. And how old were you when you uh, reached the, um, the States over? Sure. I, I was I was maybe about 13, Puerto Rico 14 years old. Say that again. I was sorry. I was probably around 13, 14 years old. 13 or 14. So you, you grew up. Would you say you came of age in Puerto Rico before you got here? Because I know you got into plants. Was it before or after? Like you were surrounded by plants. But when did you actually start taking them seriously? When I, I started taking them seriously, obviously, when I came into the U.S., um, I saw a lot of people doing it um, I guess you could say in a business sense where I had never really seen it before. Um, obviously plant-based businesses are not successful in a place where you could just go out and get it <laughs> for free if you wanted to. So um, here in a place where you really can't get, you know, dumb canes or spider plants, you know, in the wild, um, you sort of grow to see the importance of, you know, plants and their diversity and how they affect the economy. Um, things like that. So that's kind of when I was like, okay, boom, this is like, this is something I already know so much about. Let me get into it. Um, and that's, that's sort of where it took up from there. Right. Okay. So that is a very good point that you make. Like, why would there be a plant nursery in Puerto Rico? It's like, girl, there are <laughs> outside. Yeah. It's like, just go to your cousin's neighbor's house. She has some, she'll give you some, like, you know what I mean? That's, that's something that we deal with all the time. You see a plant that you like, and it's your friends or your cousins or aunt's neighbor. You're like, auntie, can you talk to her and see if she'll give you a baby from that plant? And then you take it home. And then, you know, six months later, you have a giant plant all to yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, because they grow giant. Like, okay, what does Puerto Rico translate to? Um, Puerto Rico actually translates to rich port. Um, and a little bit of where that comes from is... Um, Puerto Rico, where it is positioned in the map, is perfect sun-wise, perfect temperature-wise, um, and it's also in the ocean. So we get a lot of minerals and deposits that aren't normally found, uh, I would say, in like New Jersey or New York City. You know what I mean? So we have gold, we have bronze, there's silver, there's, you know, uh, uh, many crops that we grow that are prized somewhere else so like tobacco is a huge import in puerto rico um because tobacco grows very naturally where we live so it is something that is very important um and sort of kind of where puerto rico gets its history of you know its diverse culture in terms of like people were bringing in you know people from multiple races and multiple nationalities and that's sort of where we get our our differences so like you could see people that are you know uh, as dark as night or people that are you know pale as the sky and have blue eyes you know what i mean so passing for white. <laughs> huh? i said passing for white but actually latino exactly so it, it's something that is extremely awesome and it, it's very diverse just like the plant life there so that's that's something that where we get a little bit of like where we get our history right right and speaking of latino i want to get into 
the pronunciation because I know some of us are like super PC and we're we're very much up with the times of like Latinx and mm -hmm. all of that Afro Latino and how do you identify uh, in that range and what do you prefer to be called or how do you prefer that we address that? Um, it it doesn't. I don't necessarily have a place where I choose to be identified in that sense. So like if it is something that moves me and is something that I support, obviously I support my Latino community and I support um, my black community. Um, I have obviously some family that is of black descent is African descent. Um, you couldn't tell these people uh, apart from someone who was, you know, chocolate colored um, uh, versus being, you know, Latino in that sense. So it's like, that's something that is very near and dear to me. Um, and I, I definitely identify as all of those things. You know, I, I definitely can see myself in those places all the time. Okay, so, so the Afro-Latino. Yeah, definitely, definitely Afro-Latino. But when it comes to the Latinx uh, distinction, mm -hmm. that's not necessary. What was that? So when it comes to the Latinx distinction, that's not necessary. No, yeah, I definitely wouldn't say that it's necessary, at least not in my regard, at least not when it pertains to me specifically. Um, I know a lot of people feel, obviously, their own pride in their own cultures or, you know, whatever it is. But um, I feel pride in, you know, myself and who I am. Yeah, <clears throat> it's with, uh, with African-American versus Black for me. And I, I would definitely like to make that distinct distinction for anybody who is white that will be listening or just will be addressing me in general, I'm black. I don't acquire right. African. Um, now, I am very much proud of my African roots and ancestry. Absolutely. I do not acquire African American because it just seems like an extra formality to do all of that. But I also know some people of color, and that's another word that, that's another term that I don't require, but that is <laughs> a good term to describe brown people in general yes uh, i definitely feel very akin to that term yeah and, and i really do i like the way that it sounds but i'm just like you don't have to poc me boo i'm, I'm just <laughs> it's fine and i know that some black people don't prefer the black label so that's why it's always important to ask well just how do you identify what works for you so i appreciate you for making that distinction distinction for for me and um we still black in the garden hey, hey. i don't know <laughs> <laughs> and i hope that i mentioned i'm cold to be talking i think i did yes you did. i know we established who you is yes, and so excited to have you here and so going back to identity um as far as you coming of age and understanding certain things about yourself identifying as queer Mm -hmm. How did that come about for you, especially as it relates to when you started to notice that you were interested in plants and how that was, you know, like being mm -hmm. interested in plants, you also trying to figure out your identity. Yeah. You mentioned that in your blog. It was so beautifully written. Mm -hmm. uh, tell us a little bit more about how that came to be. Sure. So um, I think botany was definitely a safe place for me. Um, I think. I think it's important that when, when I say that we put a distinction between botany and, for example, gardening or horticulture. So um, botany is more of a study of the chemistry and the science between plants um, and what they really do that we don't see. So obviously when, you know, we post on Instagram, oh my God, new leaf, new growth. It's like, yes, queen, like what's going on? Um, Many people don't put thought into what happened that produced that. So um, I think there is such a beauty in that process and the way that they grow. Um, there's hundreds of unimaginable processes that go into making things happen for plants. And I think if I went into detail that right now, we'd bore you to death. But um, it was a huge area of interest, a huge area of interest for me, because when I grew up in an urban neighborhood, obviously in New Jersey, um, where things are already kind of rough, um, the, the kids are, you know, especially when I came out as gay, it was kind of hard to, uh, <laughs> it was kind of hard to do something like gardening publicly um, because you're already getting bullied for being gay in one hand. And then you kind of go out and you say, 
like damn that 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 f word is 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 gardening too like you know what i mean he 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 definitely is gay so Mm -hmm. you you kind of get tested um in a masculine sense for that because when you go out in the public and you garden and people see you outside and you know it's such a crowded space you know where i'm from you could garden and there wouldn't be people for miles you know what i mean it would be it would be a calm space for you but um when you have, you know, an apartment and your only plot is 12 feet by 12 feet, it's like, mm. <laughs> it's Everybody. like, all right. So um, I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to still practice something that I grew up in. Obviously, I grew up with plants and I grew up with gardening and farming. Um, so not being able to be outside and physically garden, it's like, I, it's sort of what led me to study botany um, at home and at school and at college. Um I had my mom buy me a few of those like National Geographic books and like, you know, she even let me watch all those nature documentaries, you know, poor her humoring me and all this crazy stuff. Um, But um, at school, you know, the science teachers loved me. Obviously, I loved all the nature stuff and they're like, oh, let's grow this. And I'm like on it, did it. (laughs) So um, it's sort of something that became a huge safe space for me, you know. When you grow up and you say, hey, I'm gay and I like plants, in the neighborhoods that I sort of grew up in, in the culture I grew up in, people look at you kind of weird. You know, you, you kind of get those like odd stares in in a sense. So yeah. it, it's something that, you know, I did privately and it led me to have a very huge boundless knowledge of, you know, something that I love now. It's like a one-two punch because people, I know in the stories that I've listened to, which have been so many, where the coming out stories that I've listened to where it's like, you know, people around you were, you know, they they could tell before you actually came out. And yeah. so, that will be something where people are like, well, I see him with them flowers. So <laughs> I kind of suspicious, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, that, that's something that sadly is a part of, you know, growing up and being queer and, you know, being of color and, you know, it's already something that is taboo in those in those times you know when you when i was growing up younger uh it wasn't like people had the right to go out and get married you know this is very recent for everyone so like um you kind of had to have that sort of sense of like oh like how do i still do what i want to do but like not tell everyone that i'm doing it like you know what i mean so that that's weren't you what was that you were gardening in the closet pretty much <laughs> that's that's but basically because you felt like you kind of had to hide yourself in that way because you just were not ready until you were fully ready to identify in in the you know as queer and already knowing that that was something that could be associated with that absolutely and exactly that's it's yeah, it's an interesting factor. And I wanted to kind of get into that with you with how it's like, it is when you're talking about plants specifically, and, and I'm talking to my male listeners right now. Uh, I know that some male listeners can understand this whole concept of when you start start talking about your plant collection or how you like plants, then people start looking at you like, hmm, wondering. Yeah. <laughs> Like, and then there's this association between your masculinity and whatever it means or doesn't mean for you to be a man to have yes. that interest. So what do you say to people who are questioning your masculinity? Because obviously as a queer male, you, you have a different perspective as to how masculinity works. And in my opinion, it's more accurate because the, the myth of masculinity is pretty warped. So yes tell me your um, thoughts on how that works. I, I think uh, and this is only speaking obviously from a sense of like um experience or things that i have felt i don't speak obviously for everyone i don't i don't want to create a, a sense of like oh well he's saying like how things should be i'm not saying how things should be i'm saying just the things that the way that they are where i'm from so uh gardening or farming is something that everyone does <laughs> I mean, uh, I I grew up and I saw women in the fields hoeing the earth and, you know, uh, literally doing the work that 
I would assume that or everyone would expect that their husbands would be doing while I saw the husbands carefully putting the seeds into the ground or, you know, watering, watering a garden or, you know, uh, uh, trimming an overgrown plant or something like that. You know, it's something that everyone did and no one thought of it in a way of, oh, he must be gay or, oh, that's queer or that's feminine or that is, you know, an oddity but it was something that was so ingrained in our culture that it, you didn't bat an eye when you saw a guy on the ground on his knees in a full farmer hat in overalls you know with some garden shears and some gloves deep deep into some gardening you know what i mean like that's not something you could sort of bat an eye at so when i made the transition from you know pr to the u.s it was like people were judging you for that and i was like what the heck like how is that possible you know what I mean? How is it possible that a man would be stripped of his masculinity or even, you know, called gay for just simply being in touch with the earth? How I, I how that sort of made sense in someone's mind? Just I, I couldn't wrap my head around. <laughs> I, I really you know, couldn't understand it. That you really did just hit on something right there, because obviously, I mean, like we we should know in case you didn't catch by now puerto rico is a u.s territory so it's part of the united states Mm -hmm. but still a very significant difference in culture there is a very significant difference in the association with what masculinity means when it comes to uh agricultural practices horticultural interests and things of that nature but what you said was let me make sure. Said that when you were in Puerto Rico, you were it was just par for the course. Everybody's doing it. You gotta eat to live. We mm-hmm. gotta grow. Really, you know, we're growing our food, but we're also interested in in other plants, of course. But in America, the the appreciation of plants and the connection to the earth when it comes to the masculine presenting people is like, no, you don't. That's not something that is for you. That takes away from your masculinity. Absolutely. We, we sort of give a feminine energy to an activity that is historically very masculine. Um, historically, you know, men were the ones who gave that sort of work to the earth. You know what I mean? You, you, had, you had men who would, you know, load on their, all their giant tools. They'd prepare the earth. Um, they'd sow it, they'd, they'd farm it, they'd water it, they'd take care of it, they'd talk to it, you know, uh, they, 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 it's sort of like a spiritual communion with the earth. So for me to grow up seeing that and then transfer, you know, cultures in that way and then see people judged for it was sort of, um, it was a big culture shock. It was very, it was very odd to see. So it was very interesting to get to educate some of my, uh, straight male counterparts on why it isn't feminine or it isn't not okay to go out and have a garden you know what I mean it was very interesting to connect uh to connect a few of my friends who you know are longtime dear friends of mine who in a sense thought like well I can't have a plant like you know what I mean that's sort of that's kind of gay I'll give my girl a plant like you know what I mean like no, get yourself a plant. You know what I mean? <laughs> Grow yeah. yourself a garden. You know what I mean? Feed yourself. Take care of yourself. You know, there, there's a very famous uh, saying uh, by Cicero that says, um, if you have a garden and you have a library, you have everything you need. And it, it's something that applies to not every, to not only everyone, but, you know, even men in specific. It's like, it doesn't have to be feminine, a feminine activity to enjoy gardening or enjoy housekeeping a plant. Like, you know what I mean? It, it, yeah. it, it literally means nothing to just be at peace. You know what I mean? I am so at peace when I take a day off and I'm home and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to miss these plants or I'm going to clean some leaves. You know what I mean? Yeah. We've all done it. We've all taken like a small rag or something and like cleaned off a plant and you're like, oh, yes. It ain't much, but it's honest work. Like, you know what I mean? You feel so at peace yeah. with it. There's, so. there's nothing in that leaf that is going to crawl onto you and turn you gay. Absolutely zero. <laughs> I promise you to all the male listeners i promise you it is not gonna change you at all (laughs) but you another thing that you touched on that really got me uh very 
it, it was very um, intriguing, but very uh, relevant to the conversation is you mentioned the feminine energy that is associated with nature because nature is absolutely, you know, we call it mother earth, mother absolutely. nature, right? And you, that's funny because you're brother earth. I, and I love but okay, so when it comes to the association with nature, plants, connection with the earth as a feminine thing, mm-hmm. that that speaks directly to how the American, like the the state side, you know, like the we talk about the mainland, not the Puerto Rico side. <laughs> yeah, we get you. You get what I'm saying. I'm trying not to be like incorrect because we understand what it all is. But that connection, well, not that connection, but their patriarchy is a very real thing. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, what patriarchy does for feminism is it hates it. It like tries to choke the life out of it. And so when you are a male mm-hmm. who is in touch with your, your feminine parts of yourself or, you know, you are yeah, more yeah. even, then the women, we already get enough flack just for being women. And there's like, there's this hatred of femininity. That's what I'm really trying to get to. And that's what fuels. Well, yeah, that is a part of one of the cornerstones of what patriarchy is. So. We're speaking out against it on today. But <laughs> you feel what I'm saying yes, there? Yes, I, I absolutely understand it. Um, we have historically seen women go out, um, and there's a there's a huge notion that women don't accomplish much unless they are aided by a man in some way. Um, so it would it would seem that you know a woman can't provide for however many children on her own you know what I mean and uh, let me tell you as as the product of a single mother I, I definitely believe that yes women can do it um, women have uh, a power and an energy that is uh, very different to how men uh, have their power and their energy um, and I, I think a very female energy comes from you know the, the life that women are the known givers of life um, yeah. and when you think of how in that respect you sort of can plug that into the earth and that's sort of where that term mother earth come from because women are the givers of life and we think of nature as this mother who is you know breathing life into everything into plants into animals into uh people you know uh, it, it is all so motherly in a sense you know what i mean and you don't you don't sort of question that because in your mind you you believe it someone says mother earth to you you're like yeah right like you get that you understand how that sort of connects in your mind that yeah you would connect something as life-giving and as boundless and as beautiful um as the earth or as nature um and you connect it to a woman um that that is absolutely not a foreign concept at all Wow. So well said. I Listen, I am just glad to be having this conversation with you. I I wasn't really sure where all we were going to get with this, but <laughs> look, where, look what we've covered. I'm, gra- we have, I'm glad we are where we are. <laughs> yes, we have dismantled the patriarchy. We understand more about Puerto Rico and the biodiversity there. We understand more about you and, you know, how you're you're, you're standing in your truth and you're loving your plants and you're loving yourself. Um, what did you say about what plants have uh, taught you about how to care for yourself in that way? Because I know you're loving yourself and, and I'm sure your journey towards like self-love and self-acceptance has been possibly challenging like so many of us. Mm-hmm. So how plants played into you um, really being comfortable with yourself. Um, I there there's a there's so many <laughs> there's so many quotes that that come to mind by you know people who were so like minded in that sense of like you know uh, for example there's a woman named Jenny Uglo she said um, uh, what what did she say she said uh, it's like we we might think that we are taking care of our garden right so we go out and we water them and we talk to them and you know we we sit down and we have a conversation and and you know most people that are very spiritual or connected with plants they go out and they feel that sense so they say like oh uh i'm talking to this plant to sort of help it grow but when we think of that concept as crazy 
we turn around and we give a profession like a therapist. <laughs> you say, <laughs> you pay this person however much money an hour to just sit there quietly and listen to what you have to say. <laughs> and then you turn around and say to someone who is doing the exact same thing with a plant and you say, that's crazy. You know, it, it sort of offers a sort of silent resolution for yourself when you get to vent. When you get to sit there and you get to de-stress and you get to unpack all your emotional garbage from the day and the result is silence. There is such a beauty in the silence of growing things. And you sort of just sit there and there's so many times where I sit in my room and I'm surrounded by, I can't even tell you, a jungle of plants. And I'm like, you know what? This is so peaceful. And you look around and you notice and you and you you interact and you take care of but it you know to finish to finish her quote it says we might think we're nurturing our gardens but of course it's our garden that's really nurturing us um yep. and powerful like that that to just sit and think about what that means is is so beautiful that you could be putting your time your effort your energy into something that is giving you back so much you know, it's giving yeah. you back peace of mind. You, you, if you're growing fruit, you get food. You, you know what I mean? If you're growing plants that yeah. de-stress or detoxify the air, that's such a benefit to just sit and sleep in something like that. You know what I mean? That we, we don't think that, you know, a room filled with plants, you breathe better, you feel better. Um, so that's something that I think sort of gives that sort of self-care attitude to, to gardening indoors. It sort of uh, is for me a step when I wake up in the morning, when I wake up in the morning, I look around and I'm like, oh, who, who needs water? Who needs this? You know what I mean? That, that my first thought is not getting out of bed and having breakfast. It's let me get out of bed and make sure that my plants are okay. So <laughs> it's something that completely gives an attitude of self-care because it really does set the mood, at least for me, it sets the mood for my day. Right. You wake up like, which one of y'all thirsty? <laughs> Girl, and they all are. <laughs> Right, you ain't even been to the bathroom yet. Oh my goodness, yeah. I, wow. I love that. So basically all 75 of your plants are taking care of you as it turns out. Absolutely, you know, I, I wake up every day and I'm like, okay, I'm doing you guys a favor, but really it's them working hard to keep me okay. All 90 of them. All, yep. all 6,000. <laughs> <laughs> I know 50 is a lie. I'm not even, I'm, nope, that is not, definitely. <laughs> more than 50 you are not gonna lie on black in the garden <laughs> so oh my goodness wow i'm wow so here we are hey y'all hey soil cousins i need to have a word with you this is a public service announcement about voting because we all need to do it all right so we know this is a, a election year all right there's a it's a presidential election but we need to be mindful of couple specific things. There are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. All right. So what you need to do is go to ballot ready. That's B-A-L-L-O-T-R-E-A-D-Y.org for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. You can see the whole thing. You need to know what's on there so you don't get in the booth looking cray or just being completely uninformed and leaving some parts blank. Leaving it blank, yo. That's just an opportunity for evil to prevail. And the last thing we need is for evil doing that. So from there on the ballot ready site, you can compare your candidates based on their stances on issues, biography or endorsements. And then you can save your choices to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. We have options. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote because we need a plan early on or on election day. This election matters. So make sure that you have a plan to vote so that you can vote informed, y'all. And I want to make sure that you understand that it is, you might be unfamiliar with some of the more local positions. That's really what I'm talking to you about. Like, I, I want you to consider that. We know you probably have already kind of made up your mind about who you want to vote for for president. That's your business. But if you are unfamiliar with some of the more local positions, positions, we recommend hosting a ballot party. All right. We can we can 
you know, make it a little bit fun. Get together with your friends over Zoom. Split up the research. You guys, you know, go through your ballots together so that we can be informed about these local positions that matter so much. They control things like who to prosecute and they're monitoring the quality of our drinking water and even the access to some of the spaces that we want to use for community gardening. You know, there's so many things and changes that have happened with polling places and such as a result of COVID. So we just want to make sure, well, I just want to make sure with this public service announcement that my soil cousins are prepared. Go to ballotready.org and enter your address to make a plan to vote and vote informed. And I appreciate everything that you just said. And I want to segue into uh, something that I wanted to get into today in light of recent events. I wanted to go ahead and make sure that I emphasize our Kwanzaa principle for this week. Normally, I do that at the top of the show, Mm -hmm. but we just started out fresh out the gate with Brian. And uh, so I'm going to get into the Kwanzaa principle at this point, which is cooperative economics. And um, that's important. In the, in the sense of what it means for us as a people is we are building and maintaining our own establishments and businesses, and we, we should be profiting from these ventures. And the reason why I say that is because there was this whole situation. Um, I had to help you get caught up with uh, a misrepresentation or just a lack of representation with yeah. a big box plant retailer, Costa Farms. So we'll call it Costa Gate. <laughs> <laughs> And that just that just popped off the other day, and uh, the blacks were not having it. We saw the rollout. They were not. We saw a huge backlash. <laughs> yeah, we saw the rollout, and we were like, "So just all white, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> no color, not a little bit of pepper, not just, <laughs> not a little bit of turmeric, or there was no soy sauce, nothing." I'm like, "Wow." just straight up thought okay we see y'all we see y'all so then we start calling it out and then we're calling it out and this, this took place on instagram as far as i'm aware yes um because that's where you know i've said this before on the show that is where most of the uh plenty people reside in general yes. so including the blacks of course you know including all of the ethnicities the people of color we'll go back to that mm-hmm. because it's a visual space you know, it's it's so much easier for you to sell this plant when it's like, hey, look at it, it's beautiful. And you know, you're sending your they were sending out their products to they did this rollout where they were sending like a preview box is, is what I understand. Right. They sent it out to uh some white plant fluencers. And what I noticed about that was I was like, you know, this has been planned, this has been premeditated. Y'all have plenty of time to think about this because you don't just have these people's address. Absolutely. I think when you have, um, I think in business, so um, I've had the pleasure to work with um, some business entrepreneurs who um, have worked very hard to be millionaires, you know what I mean, who have worked hard to have a life of luxury and they they live and do what they want. They work very hard for that. Um, When you own a business and you own a company, any move that you make is now public. So it matters sometimes what you do uh, when you roll out a product and specifically a product. I, I mean, you you and I have such uh, beautiful backgrounds in terms of, you know, Africa, the Latin communities, you know, uh, of, of, of just color in general, that where we grow up, these things are common to us. You know, plants are, are everywhere to us. So... It's not something that when you roll out a product of this nature, you cannot say you didn't think about this or you can't say that you you didn't give some 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 pool of thought to having, you know, of people of color in of in representation in this because yeah, in in very much ways this is, you know, part of our culture and you're just sort of giving it away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> To people who you know have very little to do with that you know um 
yes, they're plant influencers. And, you know, I love a lot of them. Um, a lot of them are, you know, near and dear to me. Um, it's not necessarily something to, to sort of go after them, but it is also their responsibility in a sense to sort of like look around and notice, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, sort of just notice what's kind of going on. Like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of the only... <laughs> like I'm kind of noticing that there's a pattern here of some kind you know and if and if you notice that sort of speak out about it because companies only make change when people speak out in numbers so obviously one person sort of you know uh, uh, being upset about it isn't gonna change anything but um, having multiple people be so angry about it shows that it really was a bad move um, yeah it, it was sort of like a uh, like a uh, kind of you you, you you missed that you you missed out on that one like you know what I mean that that's kind of kind of sucks. Yeah, and I see I see where you're going with that with the uh, the the white people who are taking that in. Um, it's interesting how they're well. It's it's a part of the privilege because I was about to find some other fancy way to elaborate upon it, but it is <laughs> but part of really, white. Really can't. <laughs> yeah, no, because let's just call it what it is, and let's just keep it simple. Okay. Where you can be surrounded by only other white people, and you can see uh, ad campaigns and imagery that only depict white people, and you can have the privilege of not really noticing that there's no other representation there because there's a, a centeredness that comes with white privilege when you're not paying attention to how there's a lack of diversity that is present. And um, it was very well stated by, um, I'm not sure what his actual name is besides ZZ Nelson. And he is the, uh, the facilitator of the Black Men with Gardens page. So I just wanted to kind of get into what he was saying, where he was, he had put up his response where he spoke directly to Costa Farms. And he said that um, even though we are doing a good job of telling our own stories, us as, you know, the people of color, we are continuing to be left out of other stories. And we, we see that, you know what I'm saying? And of course we get to tell our own stories. We should tell our own stories. But in the world that we live in, we should all be represented because all of us are here. <laughs> We're all Absolutely. together. And so he said that he he never really cares when a brand or a company decides to leave us out because it is easy to ignore those that ignore you. But when huge brands, and this is where we get to the money mm -hmm. that we support, decide not to include us in their campaigns, it gives us and the rest of the gardening world the impression that we don't exist. But the part about the money comes in where it's like we we actually spend our money. Yes, absolutely. It's a big box retailer that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Not just a big box retailer, but a a company that provides plants, this thing that we all are here to talk about on today and that we spend so much of our time talking mm -hmm. about and so much money on. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, the black dollar is absolutely present in your bottom line but not present in your ad. So that is, see, that's an issue. So he's, we are some of your biggest customers. And, and this is where we're getting into what I really wanted to talk about uh, in response to what he said, which is you import our plants from our home country and even name your collections after geographical regions that are inhabited mainly by people of color, yes. but somehow whitewash the message of food gardening and I'm like, bruh, say that again. Did you you seen the memes? I know you keep up with the memes where you're like, this nigga's. Oh girl, <laughs> <laughs> it's just oh my god, it's a situation where we all have so much to say about it because yeah. it 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 literally is. You you take something, you pluck it out of our uh, our proverbial gardens, um, <clears throat> and you rinse it and you wash it and then you. You push it out as like, look what I made. <laughs> and like, yeah. And I have to like literally sit back and watch. Like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, there, this could have been a much better ad because the the name of it is literally like, a, what what is it? Like a tropical tropical theme. You could have had people from the countries where these plants are from. You could have had them showcase the plants. You know what I mean. You could have you could have sent them the boxes, and they could have reviewed the boxes in their natural uh, environments. 
not in someone's kitchen in Iowa. You know what I mean? Like that, that's just kind of like, that, wow. that kind of that kind of defeats the purpose of the, the line in a way, or at least to me, you know what I mean? That, that That's the opinion that I share. It's not to say that that's the opinion of everyone, although I will say it's probably a commonly, <laughs> a commonly occurring uh, feeling, but it's sort of like, but- to me, would have worked out much, much, much better had they just included a few people of color who, yeah. you know what I mean, who would have shared their dearest, dearest and deepest gratitude for, you know, sending them these plants. They could have even talked about the plants and the care and, you know what I mean, things like that. It, it It's so simple. It would have been so simple had they just took a moment and thought about it. I mean, it really just, it takes but a moment, but it also takes stepping outside of the white privilege. It also takes, this is why it's important to hire people who are different than you because they provide a perspective, especially culturally different. I don't mean hire another white person that has red hair or, you know, uh, you know, someone who is have has a different body type or whatever. And I do, I definitely want to get into the fact there were uh, two uh, hearing impaired people represented. They were using sign language in there. So I can give them their cookies for that, for sure. That was the most that we got as far as any kind of diversity when representing any differences in the type of people. Interestingly enough, still white and I'm like there was at least I don't know I want to I didn't count but I I know that there was more than five people in there and there was a way to incorporate it in one way or another but they just completely missed that and so going back to you know our ancestral lands like we understand that Africa is a place that very rich in biodiversity with all that came from there I want to get into some of those plants um and i just think that, <laughs> and you know like you mentioned at the top of the show with puerto rico with all of the beautiful biodiversity that you see there and how basically you know a lot of that richness of the culture and all of the the things that make that land rich like grandma where did you used to work oh um i help process corn or i help uh raise tobacco or i help to grow mangoes you know what i mean it's something that is right. just so uh, be known to us. It's something that that we know. It's that we that is in our culture. Um, and when you go over to places like Africa, um, you see plants that from oh my god that, that you recognize from all over. I, I think a more famous one is the zizi plant. Um, zizi plant is a plant that is can be traced in origin to Kenya. Um, is a plant right. that, that is where that's where it's from. That's where everyone got it. That's where it, it sort of became. Um, the plant that we know now. Um, what you said it was the Z Z plant. The I want to try to say the actual name. The uh, Zamiocolcas. Zamiocolcas zamifolia. That is that is the botanical I, name for uh, our famous Z Z plant. I did my best. I did my best. <laughs> known as the Z Z. Let's just call it Z Z before I start looking crazy. But absolutely right because I did some research. You're welcome, Costa. <laughs> there are plants that are from Africa. Okay, a lot of the really? plants that purveyors of are from Africa, from the tropical places, as uh, Sir uh, ZZ Nelson mentioned, such as Central Central Africa, mm-hmm. India, Mexico, Philippines, Brazil, Pakistan, Malaysia, all people of color in these lands. So it is Absolutely. very, very strange and very very, you know, just obviously and egregiously uh, so tacky to not even take into account that much. I just, and I was laughing to myself because I realized when I was doing all this research, I'm like, you know, I remember there was a comment that I read where uh, it was a white person commenting about how they, something that they said that was crazy. But it wasn't what they said that was crazy that really tripped me out. It was the fact that they said that they didn't know any Black people in real life. And I was just like, wow, but you have plants that are from Africa. Like, you literally 
African plant. Yeah, I mean, I think I saw uh, uh, some kind of pothos in that box. Um, and let me tell you, I think pothos is, is a plant that I think we all, all, I don't care if you're white, you're black, you're Asian, you all yeah. grew up seeing that plant. That's a <laughs> plant. I mean, use the, but, but you have to trace, you know, the origins of these plants and look that, you know, the, the pothos was native to places like India, China, um, Australia, yeah. Indonesia. Um, mm-hmm. you, you could even see some in Malaysia growing naturally with these huge leaves. I mean, the size of your face. Um, yeah. It is insane to think that you would... Puerto Rico as well. Exactly. You know, the, the, and let me tell you, <laughs> this plant is everywhere. So it is yeah. something that... But everywhere in the tropical countries... It is not in Europe. We don't see it in England. We don't see it, you know, in, 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 uh, I don't even know European countries, but let me tell you, you don't, (laughs) you don't see it naturally there. Um, the weather and the climate just does not allow it for there. So obviously the regions where this plant originates or these plants originate is in the countries in which some of us call home. Um, so to not see the representation of, that specifically when you look at somebody like Casa Farms, I mean, they are big, uh, you know, they they retail almost anywhere. I mean, you can go to any local Home Depot, Lowe's, anything, and Casa Farms has a logo somewhere in there. You know what I mean? So it is something that, you know, when you have that kind of platform, that kind of reach, you kind of have to give some thought into the things that you put out. Um, and that sort of goes back to me talking about you know the business aspect of that is like if i make an investment and i say hey i want this to be big i want it to make me money i want it you sort of need to think it out before you put it out how many people is this going to be okay with how many people is this gonna not be okay with you know it's something that as a business you think of you sort of sit down at your table i don't know if costa farms is you know ceo owned or is owned by um a board but um whoever it is just have to sit down and think about something like that before you know you sort of put it out and uh, i know a lot of the time ceos or cfos they put people in charge of these campaigns um you gotta you gotta sort of reprimand these people because you know whoever's the intern running the cost of arms uh account they, they everyone everyone sort of has to have some kind of conscious thought about what's going on um and that's sort of just a piece of <laughs> we could talk about this all day, but yeah, we could. We could, <laughs> but I just want to make sure that we shout out the plants that are of African descent because Absolutely. I I was very excited when I realized, you know what, actually it's a lot of our faves that are of African descent. Absolutely. And I've been doing all this research looking into uh black people and, and you know horticultural um historical historically horticultural figures and i realized it's really what about the plants though the plants are from africa that is a part of the history as well they have been um, they've been colonized that's how they end up because there are people like the dutch and um you know just europeans in general that were taking the plants from their native species Absolutely. not native land and taking them to the botanical garden in Europe. I think also, not, not, Mm -hmm. sorry, not to, not to like, you know, interrupt you, but I think one of the things, one of the plants that we so famously uh, have as part of our culture um, are succulents. Um, And succulents by nature need somewhat of a drier climate, um, which is something that Africa is in very, (laughs) very, very vast amounts has. So yeah. um, these plants have origin there. They they come from there. This is where you get the first few ancestors of origin. That's why when you visit Africa, you see, you can go out and walk around a little bit and you can see a succulent that's probably 15 years old um, that yeah. is going to blow your freaking mind because of how big it is or how established it is. Yeah. Um, you, I'm glad that you mentioned the succulents because um, one of the most common succulents, I think, in the whole world is aloe vera. And that is absolutely indigenous to South Africa. Uh, Family is found all over Africa. And of course, you know, there's many species of it, but we know that aloe was a 
succulent. Also the Hawarthia, the zebra plant, you know, the zebra looking. Um, it's so cute. I love it with the spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and I'm going to be posting some of these on my Instagram. And you know what? I was trying to come up with a cute little hashtag for this conversation, but everything doesn't always have to be all of that. But <laughs> just wanting us to know that a lot of our faves are of African descent, but the Hawarthia is one. Um, it's a small succulent, you know, and um, also known as, you know, the zebra cactus, the, the pearl plant. Oh, wait, speaking of the pearl plant, did you know the string of pearls is native to uh, southwestern Africa. I absolutely did. The um, string of pearls. Do you know how people be going? It you is. can look at the string of pearls hashtag right now. String and... of pearls is a very abundant plant in our community. I mean, uh, I have one. I have a string of pearls. I have a string of bananas. I mean, Ooh. these plants are plants that come from that place, uh, are from Africa, are from these, these bordering uh um, countries that you know were very very badly represented just now <laughs> by our, our our not so dear friends now at Acosta Farms. Um, and that's it. That that's that. It was very it was very disheartening to see it. Um, disappointed yeah. but not surprised. <laughs> and so I just want to call out a few more because I definitely wanted to to indicate very clearly that your faith child the fiddly fig okay have you ever heard of her the fiddly fig like she's been popping definitely since the 70s the ficus tree uh from the tropical rainforest of west africa yes ma'am okay yeah you can find her in almost every hotel lobby and, <laughs> and I, th I think you, you could even trace the, that origin to like uh, cameroon or like sierra leone where they, they even grow in tropical tropical environments um, so it is, and let me tell you, you don't see the ones that people have been keeping for three to five years in their apartments. I'm talking about, you get why it's called a tree. Like it is huge. Yeah. I mean, you see these plants in large, large, large sizes. I mean, uh, in, in Puerto Rico, my, my uh, great aunt, her freaking house uh, right across the street, there is one that I literally to you how huge it is that plant is probably older than me and it is insane to think that um we don't represent that we we just sort of like like okay it's a it's a cute plant like, yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean i just want to make sure that everybody is aware you know everybody uh costa i'm talking to you it's <laughs> very much aware of the fact that you know it's really trashy to have basically uh be capitalizing off of these plants that are from these places you know with the indigenous people with the these black people people of color whatever you want to call them but you can take the plants from those places and sell the plants to not just white people but also African-Americans, if you will, if we're talking about, you know, Black people in America. And then when you do your American campaign, as far as I'm aware, uh, then it, it's not representative of the people who are, who absolutely have a connection to these plants. If that is, if they share the same ancestral lands as the plants do. That's absolutely. all I'm trying to say. That's all I'm trying to say. Absolutely. I hope that understood. I hope that is felt. So, yeah. On that note, and also, you know, I just had to throw this in there because I feel like it's kind of commonplace now. Shea butter, shea butter is in everything. And yes. I'm pretty sure you don't really have to look it up. But for those who did not know, shea butter is extracted from a nut from a tree in Africa. Yes, ma'am. I'm going to try to say the scientific name, but boom. <laughs> That's it. Okay. You're... You don't have to be ashy because the shea butter, the, the African, we, that's us. Absolutely. <laughs> that's us. So on that note, uh, I want to just go ahead and get ready to wrap this episode up. And I'm going to do a quick little roll call at the end. But, you know, don't worry about that part. But 
I want you to let everybody know how they can find you, find your blog. You did feature me in your blog. I did want to mention that, but I didn't want to come across as totally vain. Absolutely, but- absolutely. So um, uh, you can find uh, me, uh, brother. I mean, brother.earth with two H's on Instagram. Um, you can find our website at brother-earth.net. Um, I, I included um, some articles about women of color who are doing it and are very representative um, who I admire very much um, in, in terms of their entrepreneurship or their stories or where they're going with, you know, uh, plant entrepreneurship, as we call it. Um, and, you know, that's something that if anyone's interested, they are more than welcome to go and read. Um, it's public. You guys can go on there and check it out. Um, it is entirely there. We're trying to update it soon. Um, I know our 2020 hiatus is over, so we're definitely going to be putting some new content out. Okay, so you gave us your website, you gave us your blog site, which I believe is the same, and your Instagram handle. Uh, that's that's all the details. Of course, I'm going to put it in the description to make sure that, you know, if you're not able to get to that right now, whenever you get a chance to get to that, you definitely should. Um, Brian is a wonderful writer. And, you know, it, you. when you have someone who writes very beautifully, excuse me, and then they write something about you. You're like, oh my God, you made me sound good. So it's <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just beautiful writing. You know what I'm saying? I could just be out here slinging hot dogs on the corner and you can make it sound like I'm out here, you know, just doing the most impactful and, and meaningful thing. So I appreciate you for, um, for shining that spotlight on um, women of color and, you know. Absolutely. Just- I, think, I think many of us go out and we do what we do um, and it's not necessarily appreciated in the way that we feel it should be. Um, Like um, my dear friend Bree at Ear Garden, um, we had a very deep conversation about um, what we're doing. Um, And it's very hard to, it's very surprising to see people come up to us and be like, oh my God, I have questions about this. How did you do this? What's this? And I'm like, girl, I need help myself. Like. We're trying to figure this out ourselves. You know what I mean? And it, and it's it's mind-blowing that in some way we have given people um, an option or something to look forward to or, or you know, a, a resource to use in terms of information. Um, so it's, it's definitely something that we need to broadcast. We need to put our friends and family that are doing, you know, these type of things um, on a pedestal. And we need to show them off because... Uh-huh. You know, we deserve it. We all work very hard. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you for everything. I definitely want to thank you for coming on and being so transparent about, you know, especially your queerness and your journey in that regard. Because, I mean, I know that not everybody trying to be on here talking all their business. (laughs) But yes, it is certainly appreciated. Brian, I'm going to close out the show. Thank you. I love light and soil. Thank you. Let me just reiterate a little something. I didn't get to mention this, but I really wanted to let y'all know that there's over 21,000 plant species originating in South Africa. There's the Table Mountain National Park, where there are more plant species in that area than exist in the whole of the United Kingdom. And I got my stats. I got my links in the show notes, 10 black house plants. That's plants of African descent, descent, African violets, red edged dracaena, the jade plant, spider plants, the fiddle leaf fig, the giant white bird of paradise, the ZZ plant, string of pearls, hawarthia, and the aloe to the vera. That's right, y'all. 10 plants of African descent. Know your history. I'm so glad that we got to have this conversation and I just want to close it out because I know this episode went a little bit long, but I want to close this out by encouraging us all to keep in mind the Kwanzaa principle of this week, Ujama, and we need to make sure that us as a people are supporting each other and supporting Black business 
and especially Black plantrepreneurship because it's a very real thing, but it is also a very necessary thing. We can't allow one corporation to have so much influence on all of our plant purchasing decisions. We should have diversity in our decision making from for where we get our plants from. We also should be holding our white counterparts accountable for knowing, hey, you see this over here? That's not diverse. You could say something about it too. It's not just for the Blacks to be getting all up in arms. And I just hope that we all learn a lesson from Costigate. And I hope that we continue to be vigilant and also be courageous in speaking up for ourselves. And also, you know, just everything that is positive and good and uplifting. And shout out to all of my beautiful melanated dope soil sisters, planty peeps, and botanical brothers. You got all the links and the hashtags and all that stuff that you need in the show notes at Black in the Garden on Instagram, hashtag Black in the Garden everywhere, everywhere, y'all. And send me an email, blackinthegarden at gmail.com. If you want to add anything to what we said, maybe we left something out. I don't know, y'all. Shoot, I can't say everything. I do be talking. And on that note, this is Cola B talking, and I'm here to wish you love, light, and soil.